Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good, great, grand, wonderful. No yelling in the butt. Josh Webb. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your butt. I'm party. And Jake LaTondres. I'm bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet this guy's into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. Bill Martin inside. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Showtime. Sweet and sour, so we are not going Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky Ford in the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me from all the way on across the world. I guess it's probably halfway across the world. Jake LaTondres, Ramsey Russell, and Ryan Bassham. Guys, all right, so let me just say this before all of you jump in here. Just from watching the videos and the stories, videos on Facebook, stories on Instagram, it looks like one of those trips where you're already behind on sleep as it is because of the time difference. But jet lag, I guess, is the term but also it looks like one of those trips where you literally walk in when the day's over and you just fall on your bed and you you don't remember anything till you wake up the next morning uh, that would be very it accurate ain't false, not it not ain't false Robert that I've been here for a week. I'm adapted to the time. These these guys were walking around passing out backseat of truck and jet lag for the first couple of days, but I think we're all going with it now. But but it is a elite duck country, Rocky. We're up at I'm waking up at three thirty drinking coffee and we're rolling and uh they can shoot when we go out in the afternoons, they can shoot legally until thirty minutes past sunset, which is pitch black, dark, can't see no more. And then we got a 30-minute drive back to camp to eat dinner. So, I mean, we're, it is a full day. <laughs> I remember doing that and a, lot, do a, a lot of afternoons back in the old days. <laughs> and just to be clear, I do not go to bed when I get home. I have to dump footage and organize folders in the hard drive and get all that done that usually takes about an hour hour and a half so i usually crack me a beer and sit down at my computer and get back to work <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it's kind of, i don't mind to do all the camera stuff but shoot for me work hard play hard you know crack open the computer work a little bit but yeah we can sleep on the long flight home that's right. a fact that's, that's right, right. That's right. You sleep when you're dead, right? Yeah. I, I I have always heard, I don't know, and I, I know a lot of people that, that go to South Africa on different hunting trips, but that flight, for some reason, is one of the worst flights. You can go anywhere else in the world, but to South Africa, it just seems like it takes forever. 
Which one was worse? Because y'all all went to Australia together or South Africa? I think South Africa. Australia's a little bit that. further. True. But but I, I don't know. I agree with this South Africa trip. It, it It's just something about that flight from Atlanta to to Joburg. It, it just, it, it's the last two hours that get me. I'm fine the first 12, 13 hours. It's the last two hours that get me. For me, it was Australia. Both I've been to Australia and New Zealand on different trips, and and both times that one had my number for some reason. I have an easier time. Pakistan ain't exactly. Ain't Pakistan isn't exactly a puddle jump either. <laughs> no, They're all no, long no, flights. No, At the end of the day, when you go halfway around the world, it's just a long, long travel day. You know. All right, well, let's play a little no. game before we before we start talking about the hunting. Who took a first class seat to South Africa? <laughs> I know I'm going to say Ramsey <laughs> did not. Am I right about that, Ramsey? You bet I didn't. Did no, I did not. I saved I saved my money for bullets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say, and this is not. Look, this is not a bash on your character any by any means, because I, I'm telling you, I'm upgrading to first class. But this is, I'm that long <laughs> of a flight with my long legs. I'm going to first class, even if it cost six, seven, eight hundred dollars more. Let's see. <laughs> I'm going to say Ryan did not go first class. I did not. I'm in the rear with the gear, baby. Boom! Two for two. Two for two. <laughs> Let's see if I can guess Jake. Jake did not. Jake is a door guy. He sits by the door. In coach, I sat by Ryan Bassham and watched him sleep all the way to South Africa. <laughs> no, that's I watched Jake sleep all the way to South Africa. Every time I was awake, he was asleep. <laughs> so, all right, Ryan, I know you go a lot. Jake, first time to South Africa? No, this is my third. Third time to South Africa, but not in, not for this and not where we are. Like, you know, you're probably going to want to get into what the landscape and, and habitat and environment was like at some point, so I won't steal that thunder, but this is definitely a lot different um, than what I have seen before. Hey, what, what's become normal to y'all as you step off of, off the plane that, you noticed the first time. Yeah. What's what's just become normal? As much as y'all travel, for somebody like me that's never been, what would I stop and say? Wow, man, it's pretty cool. As as we get well, off after that in Tambor no, Airport in Joburg, in Tambor Airport in Jericho, I just got to share it. The world's largest Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now think about that. <laughs> it's in Joburg Airport. That's the first thing I noted. That thing must big. be a giant then. It's, it's, it's as big as a shopping mall back home. And, and the ride from the airport, how far are y'all from Johannesburg? 
Okay. Right now we're two hours. Several hours. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. It, it's uh, Joburg is a big, big city. We're out in the country. We're out in the, we're out in the heart of agriculture now. Is, is where we are. And um, when you step off a plane in, in, in Africa, you realize you're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. I mean, you're you're somewhere That's different. Right. I, at least I do. I notice that. Yeah, you are no longer in control. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As you look around the landscape, as you as you're driving from the airport to to where you're going, what 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 does it look like? What what would you compare it to? I think it's important First to remember. You know, this is. Oh, go ahead, Randy. Go ahead. I was going to say the first morning we were hunting, we, we got in position, pitch black, dark, sitting on the edge of a cornfield, in between a corn, a standing cornfield and a soybean field. And as it got light, the birds, the Egyptian geese were coming off the roost, decoys were behind us 100 yards. And, and we were pass shooting very traditional way they do it here. And Jake goes, man, I, I just don't feel like I'm in Africa. So where you feel like you are, and he looks around and goes, "I feel like I'm in Saskatchewan," and that that really mm-hmm. is what it what it look the country looks like around here where we're hunting. It looks like Canada. We went on, we went on a big uh, mm-hmm. upland bird hunt behind pointers, and man, these guys have got dog power like, like I've never seen. Yeah. Uh, they they could they could put out fresh dogs every fifteen minutes, and. Uh, but we're covering the ground, and at times it really felt like you're in parts of northwest Kansas or Nebraska or somewhere like that. It, it was just incredible. But it, it doesn't feel like Africa. You know, mm-hmm. think of Africa being the Kalahari Desert or, or the, the, the real push belled thickets and acacia trees, and, and this, is ag, this is ag land. Saskatchewan is a perfect description for where we've been hunting. I think we said it in a post. Uh, it looks like Saskatchewan. It kind of feels like so the the landscape looks like Saskatchewan. The um, but the hunting is like Mexico or Argentina. That's something. Again, I don't want to get too far ahead, but that's something that I think surprised all of us is how many freaking ducks there are down here to hunt. <laughs> Right, they do it right. We, we, yeah, they do it right. But we've been coming to Africa. Uh, we've been selling Africa since 2012. It's, it's a great, great hunt. But but I felt like it could be better, and and so we organized this trip, and, and it it really is. I, I would I really believe that the wing shooting we've experienced the last four days rivals Mexico and many parts of Argentina, and the birds are exportable. So there's that. But but it's uh the, the shooting volume and quality is it, it, as good as practically anywhere. Most of the waterfowl that you're shooting are local. They they don't migrate, correct? That's right. That's right. But that, they're they're that's that's exactly right. These these just like a lot just like Australia and a lot of other countries, these birds are, are local birds are nomadic. You know, they move just enough to find water and, and food.
Well, let's talk about that first morning. Brian, Jake, first time waterfowl hunting South Africa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a month yeah, ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I haven't been here that long, but it feels like we've been here forever. Um, it's just jam-packed days, man. And, yeah, that first morning, you know, not really knowing what to expect. I mean, in any any country that I've hunted for the first time, the waterfowl um, tactics, as far as how you set up your decoys and the strategy, it all differs. And and this uh, this is no different. I mean, kind of like what we've alluded to already. It's, it's more of old school British type hunting tactics and and um, you know pass shooting. And and that's how we set up. You know, Ramsey was talking about how we set up on the edge of this cornfield and, and back off the other side of us was the soybean field. But we set out decoys. But man, those decoys were like a hundred yards out from us. And and there was a rotary spinning um, like handmade decoy. There's all handmade decoys here, which is really neat. And and I'm sitting there thinking this ain't gonna work. We're like 100 plus yards from the decoys. I mean, there's no guarantee that they're gonna come right here through this flyway. But sure enough, man, it worked. And it was it was a beautiful morning. You got this fog that was lifting up, and and sure enough, you know, we each were spread out about 40 yards apart from each other, and. And here they came, and and uh, the shooting began, and, and we were not disappointed. It was it was a fantastic morning. Um, you know, another differentiating factor is the the Egyptian geese that we were hunting that first morning. You know, there's not a call manufactured out there to where you can call these birds in. So that's another another variable that you have to take into consideration. Of okay, well, I can't call them. Um, you know, how how am I going to make this successful? So. Uh, great learning experience and awesome way to, to see how they do it here. They, they've been watching these birds. They scout. It, it, scouting is, is, is integral to successful hunting anywhere. And where we were situated, there was a, there was a, uh, a, a, it was a like a valley, like an area with a lot of pans, they call it. Pans are like natural lakes without a dam. And They're like there were birds roosted on it. Yeah, very similar to playas, and and but it, but it was just it's a bunch of them out there, big and little, and and they knew where the geese were, and they've been watching them for several days, and their geese had to come off the come off the lake they were roosted on, and kind of come up over this big, wide, long, mile long hill, you know, that was planted in corn, to get to this soybean field they've been fit, feeding in. So they they built these little stands in the standing corn for concealment. Uh, and 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 put the put the decoys just over the bean field, and uh, they they felt like the birds were going to cue in on the decoys and come over the hunters, and it worked it worked like a charm, you know, it, it just it absolutely worked like a charm, and so and really you couldn't step from standing in on the edge of the cornfield where I was, you didn't see the geese coming, you might hear them, but you didn't you didn't see them until. They were almost in shoot range, and 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 they were just. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say they were twenty to thirty yards high. They were coming in right over the corn, plugging that corn coming over, and and it was it was uh it was fun. It, it it was it was a lot of fun. What what would you, you know, compare think... them to sound wise? Uh, they they got kind of a growling sound at times, but but mm-hmm. I hear them. Uh, I hear them honking, just a coarse honk. It's not, not just a honk. It reminds me of it reminds me of of 
shell ducks, which, interestingly enough, this Egyptian goose, um, big ugly old thing, really, uh, in a lot of ways, but, but this Egyptian goose is, is probably uh, a not-too-distant cousin of shell ducks. It may not even be a goose. A lot of people believe it's more a duck than a goose. First thing Jake said when he saw one was, I don't think it's a goose. It's really not. You know, the, the Egyptians called them geese and buried them, you know, like some kind of sacred animal. But but they're they're probably a, a shell duck deviant. Uh, but they're big. They're 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 big. Like uh, I, I'd almost they don't sound as much like a, 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 a the Cape shell ducks down here. We saw some today. You can't you can't shoot them in uh, the province we were in this time of year. But they honk like the Australian shell ducks do. Uh, and and the and the Egyptian geese don't talk quite like that, but kind of sort of. And uh, anyway, kind of sound they, like they, a single uh, note, like a, a single note snow yeah, goose. Like a, I, I don't I don't know what yeah, the pair yeah, like other than mass. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say earlier that you know the one of the things that I really appreciate about when I get to go to these places with Ramsey and Ryan is the you know it's almost like going back in time as far as the hunting tactics go and it, it and it goes back to the simplicity of hunting and you know i think americans would come over here and go oh man you're doing this all wrong you're going to kill so many more if you do it this way but ryan and and ramsey and i you know we talked about this before driving or sitting around or whatever during lunch or dinner and talked about how, you know, if, if 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 we had it our way, we wouldn't let these guys change a thing because it's the experience and you get to come back, you get to come here and do these things like, like Ryan said, it's kind of, you know, old school British tactics and it's kind of fun. I mean, it really is. It cha- it's a change of pace. Oh. It's not just set your decoys out and shoot them in your, in, in your face. Don't, don't get me wrong. They're shooting them in the face. And they're close with their feet down a lot of times, but sometimes it's, you know, past shooting and it's just old school. And I just, I really like it. It just, it just, it just sort of, uh, liberates, at least for myself, it liberates me from the standard, this is how you have to do it or you're not a great duck hunter kind of deal. I love to pass shoot. I, I, I love to shoot them over decoys coming in and, and, we were talking to Mike, our host over here. Next time we come over, because we will, we want to sit in the decoys because these these Egyptian geese de- work the decoys really well. But it's kind of yeah. hard to argue with the results of how we've been shooting them. I mean, we couldn't have possibly shot any more birds sitting in the decoys than we did. <laughs> Could not possibly have shot any more birds. We absolutely wore them out the way we did it, and it was great. But I agree. I mean, next trip over, man, I. I would like to try try it our way, so to speak. Um, it reminds me of man. saying, Rocky. You know, sometimes these birds will be sometimes these birds will be kind of high, but you know, it's not sky busting if they're falling. You know, that's and, right. And, and but I, but we we all enjoy it. Well, I, I noticed that you are shooting a shell that will reach out and touch them. <laughs> yeah, it's those big birds were shooting lead, uh, lead, uh, uh, lead twos. Essentially, is what we're shooting, 
at the at the Egyptian geese and laid fives at the regular ducks. And and it it'll it'll you choke up right when it hits them. It, it makes an impact. It sure does. Right, and that, I think that's the key. I mean, Ramsey saw me. I had to adjust my choke a couple different times in, in different areas over the last few days, just depending on how how we were having to hunt them. And, and I mean, it you know it makes a world of difference. But man, the shot we're shooting over here works just fine. You know, how, how often does that work out, though? You know, being a guide for twenty one years, I had people always come in. And think that they knew, and this is no way a slight at y'all, but they think that they knew how to shoot, quote unquote, my ducks better than I did. <laughs> and it usually, ninety percent of the time, the the hometown guy kind of knew what he was talking about. Oh yeah, that's right. Absolutely, never guy the guy. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's what we're saying for sure. You know, you gotta. I mean, especially in, we're we're playing by their rules. We're on their turf. You know, sit back, learn, enjoy it, and uh, learn something. What's the you know, what's that, the similarities? That is, that is the greatest thing about traveling. What's the similarities that you see from those guys over there? You know, we talked about this in the Australia podcast last year. You know, there's so many that's connecting. Right. Things that waterfowlers have, no matter where you're placed on on this planet, there's so many right. similarities that connect us all. What what are what are some similarities that you see, and what are some differences that you see? Hmm. Dogs are different, and dogs are different. Yeah, but they use dogs. They do. Yep. They use they use they use calls uh, sometimes for these ducks, and they uh, and they use decoys when we're duck hunting. You know, and and they they like they like you know they're they're keen. They they say they say you guys in the states always come out with the cutting edge technology first. We we find it over here sooner or later. I think that one of the strongest similarities that I've noticed of all the places we've gone to is when you get into the waterfowler's domain, once we get to, you know, where our hosts and our guides and whatever, the desire to duck hunt is the same. And, you know, people, in fact, I saw looking at a picture today on Instagram where someone had posted a picture of, uh, some duck hunters from a hundred years ago and they were you know all these ducks were stacked up on this old vehicle and two guys were standing there with their shotguns and someone made the comment it's funny that even a hundred years ago you know people duck hunters were proud to have pictures uh you know big um uh grip and grand pictures with big big piles of of ducks and i think that goes uh, to that goes uh, that's very similar wherever you go people are proud when we get on them and we have a great day they're very proud of it just like we are it's pretty cool yeah absolutely. Yeah. where does duck hunting yeah. rank uh, I, mean, I know that there's so many other 
species of animals to hunt in South Africa. What? How, how does the outsiders, or not even the outsiders, but you, you see what I'm getting at? How do they view mm-hmm. water it's low on the totem pole? I think, very, I think yeah, it's lowest on the totem pole. Exactly. Yeah, it's very low. It's low the locals that I'm aware of, of don't hunt them at all. No, no, they don't. But the guys, the they guys don't. we're hunting with, have, have got some of the most phenomenal English pointers and German short hairs that I have ever seen. I mean, those dogs hunt. We they they let them out the other day, and those dogs stay at heel until they get to where go. Uh, but they were literally vibrating. They were shaking. You know, to be told to go and hunt. Uh, but but when they're when they're underfoot. They're they're just like the calmest house dog you've ever seen. They they are dog people, and they've got the best personal retrievers I've ever seen. Basically, when they're when they're up on bird hunting, it, 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 and that's their if if they bird hunt South Africa, and I think quite a few of them do. That's more along their lines. Or the Franklin, all the bird hunters I've met in South Africa, in the three trips I've been here, they're they're. They hunt uh, gray wing Franklin. That, that's a big one, or the uh, Swainson Franklin. And I think quite a few of them like to shoot the decoy pigeons. But ducks and geese is just yep. man. You know they 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 could care less about that. There's not the culture that there is thing. back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the upland thing here, you, and I mean, and you think about it, you know, you think about you know that where these people descend from, and I mean, it that European culture, upland bird hunting is, is, is more of that preferred, um, hunt that they would do. And so that absolutely has within the wing shooting here in Africa, that has a priority, like Ramsey was saying over the waterfowl hunting and, you know, the plains game species and the dangerous game species is what makes this economy run within the hunting industry here. And, and, and that's the king obviously. But I think what that, what I've learned anyway, as I can't speak for Jake and Ramsey is, you know, they've got such an incredible waterfowl hunting resource that, I mean, it way exceeded my expectations. I thought we might shoot five or 10 ducks a day per person. And let's just say it went well beyond, um, within reason of, uh, what our expectations were. So, um, yeah. they've, they've got a pretty special thing here going on. That's not really tapped into yet. And yeah. Mike, you know, guy, Rocky, he knows. Days. He knows his ahead, species. Jake. You know, he understands what their habits are. He knows exactly where they're going right. to come from. I mean, he tells us when we get there, look, they're going to come through this lane. They're going to come over that tree. They're going to break right here, and this is where you're going to shoot them. And that's exactly what they yep. do. He totally, like, he spends yep. enough time with his birds. He knows what's happening. And he's also, while, the you know, the, the limits here are very liberal, he's in, in – in, he he still uh, he still knows when to stop, and he knows, and especially the upland birds. You know, there were certain birds where before we walked out into the field into the cover, he said, you know, if we get into these this species, I, I, I'm thinking it was the Franklins. You can only kill one. We can only kill one per covey of these birds because we want to conserve. You know, he has conservation tactics that he uses on his birds around there because he knows that's his. It's a valuable resource to him. So, you know, you got to respect and appreciate how he handles his game here, too. 
Definitely. That's right. Oh, Gray Wayne Franklin, he told us, you know, the Gray Wayne Franklin are, are, are big covey birds. And he said, but I'll ask that y'all don't shoot more than one apiece on the covey rise. You know, and then, and then we're not going to walk up singles. We'll, we'll go find another covey or go find some more game birds because he wants them to be able to reproduce. And that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jake, I, I know you're still in the early stages with this as we, as you shoot all of this footage, but I know you got a story in your mind. What what What's going to happen mm-hmm. with this South African footage from where you stand today with what you filmed? kind of the storyline. I, mean, I think we're, it, I think first of all species you know there's these are these are unfamiliar species to probably most people in the world one of the one of the store it, it, you know it'll be it'll be like we talked about before there'll be you know some 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 of the old school tactics and made perhaps some, the british the british you know influence here but one of the things that just really stands out to me i think I think uh, Ryan and Ramsey would agree is this yellow-billed duck and how it, it's a mallard. It's, it's South Africa's mallard. It sounds like a mallard. It acts like a mallard. And when you look at its its um, its anatomy and and you know its 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 color schemes, its color patterns, you're like this this duck has to have mallard DNA in it. And I just find it to be fascinating. Everywhere we go. Whether it's Australia and the Pacific black duck, wherever it doesn't matter where we go, there's some duck that looks and acts like a mallard, and I think that's that's something that's a story in itself that needs to be told because it's familiarity with your your average waterfowl, particularly from America. So you know, those are the things Everybody, that are sticking out in my mind every, right now. Every duck hunter in America could relate. To the African yellow-billed duck. It, 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 mm-hmm. the, the, the brown looking kind of like a mild duck. They got double white wing bars, and and they uh, they work and they quack and they decoy. And and it's it's just hard. It's hard not to get addicted to them. Hey, speaking of species over here, uh, Ryan and I passed a pretty big milestone today. Uh, one of my biggest I, primary goals coming over here was to get Cape shovelers. And we scored them today. You know, there's four shovelers in the world. The northern shoveler, everybody knows from back home. The red shoveler of Argentina. The Australasian shoveler down in New Zealand. And, and, and now the Cape shoveler, which is really, uh, the drabest of them all, I believe. But, but we, we both scored, uh, our shovelers today and, and now have the official world shoveler slam. And, uh, I, I think, be you proud know, of my finest moment. I think I might very well be the only camera guy in the world that has filmed the the uh, shoveler slam. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> hey, hey, we're making did, it a thing. Jake, did they Why hug is that when they, did they, <laughs> Jake, Jake, did they hug when they did it? I told them to kiss. I did. You know that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Because Ryan, Ryan took Ryan. Let's just let's just get this down the open. Ryan shot a hen, and Ramsey shot a drake. And Ryan wanted a picture with the drake, and Ramsey was like, "Nuh-uh, that's my drake." He said, "Well, then get over here and get in the picture." I said, "Y'all need to hug and kiss so I can take this photo." 
Oh, it's too funny. It, 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 so what I ended up doing for me, anyway, I can't remember exactly what Ramsey posted. But I posted a photo of me with the hen and Ramsey with, with the drape. But you can see the difference. And, and, and like Ramsey said, it's, it's much more drab, um, even the drake. It's just there's not a whole lot of color to them, but, but they, they still have that special spoony beauty to them, in my opinion. I think they're still really cool birds. Yeah. Um, man, know, how cool is that, the, man? The, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's, cra- it's crazy. It's crazy to me. They, they all got those. They've all got those spatulate bills, but their wings are all the same. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the craziest thing. Yeah. You know, their, their wings are all the same. Yeah. Uh, it's clearly mm-hmm. a shirt. And this bird, that, that drake I held today, I, I just felt like it weighed twenty to thirty percent more than any northern shoveler I've ever picked up. It, it was a very fat, dense bird compared to the it's northern definitely shoveler. Bigger it's got to be another, bigger. Another three substance. It's a bigger bird without question, in my opinion. Just, just is. Yeah. It's exciting yep. for me as a spectator. I mean, I was, you know, photographing uh, the the, sh- the shovelers today, and it was exciting for me when Ramsey killed his when it flopped. You know, when it flopped over and turned over on over on its back on the water, you could just tell from the wing colors that it was a drake, and I was excited. Like, man, I can't wait. To see this bird just because it's you know it's a close-up and the first time i'll have ever seen a uh you know a shoveler from down here that subspecies and i was I, I mean i was excited i was excited for ryan too when you know we were watching from a distance when he shot his and um man it was there was anticipation there like like wow let's see this thing you know what i mean definitely I, I gotta ask you this one. Uh, I may catch up about this one. This this <laughs> photo, this photo of you and Ryan. Who, who owns the rights to that? The on I get bucks. The camera guy. <laughs> Wait, which one? Look, I, yeah, the camera guy. The re- which photo are you talking about? Here, here's one, the reason oh, why. There's a, there's one I, on my Instagram story that's on Instagram. It, yeah, definitely. I'm thinking about putting out a Duck South calendar this year, and I want that for the cover. <laughs> <laughs> you, wait, you talking about the one where they're with with the yellow bills where they're standing beside each other? Yep. No, it's the one. Yeah, yeah. the I barrels pointed down. I, I mean, Ryan's got his it, it, got his it, shirt it, rolled up to his bicep. It looks like it's about to pop open. Barrels pointed down with a strap full of ducks. That is calendar cover worthy oh, right cal- there. Yeah, with all the yellow bills. Yeah, that's a cool photo. <laughs> yeah, y'all look like y'all are. Sure I get some sort of cut. Cut me in, buddy. <laughs> hey. I hate to say this, but y'all really look like y'all are ready, ready to kick some some ass in that photo. Man, we done kicked it. We kind of do. We Yeah, we work That is an awesome, that that's an awesome photo. I mean, really right. cool. That was a fun, Y'all need to that bring was a really fun hunt. It was a fun hunt. I mean, and you, I mean, that photo is fantastic. It's probably one of my most favorite photos, honestly, and for a lot of reasons, but 
some of the stuff Jake's getting that no one's even seen yet is absolutely incredible, y'all. I think everyone's going to be blown away. I'm super excited for the content that he's been able to capture so far. It's it's what we expect out of him, um, given his, his talent. But, man, it's good stuff. So this this redheaded – all right, I, I don't, I'm going to go through just, just asking some questions just from the photos that I've seen. That like this – the. The duck that looks like a hooded megander with the red bill and got the, the the hood. It's got a rusty color head to it. Oh, what, what, are you looking on? I'm looking on Instagram. I guess that's from. At, yeah, no, that's, that's from Azerbaijan. That's from Azerbaijan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Red crested poacher in Azerbaijan. That was the photo right, so, I posted a rant but, before we left the trip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, so the, yeah. the the spur, all right, so what is the spur goose? Now, that's one that I heard you talk about before you left, Ramsey, the, the spur wing. Spur wing geese. And, and you yes. know, those, they, uh, it's, it's the world's largest goose on average. I mean, you know, only the Cape Barren goose down in parts of Australia are, is as big. And, and it's a, uh, it's a big, ugly goose. It's like the ugliest <laughs> goose you've ever seen. Black and white, and just kind of buttered looking face. But but it's got it's got big spurs on, on its wings. I, I mean, uh, shoot, I've seen them. I've seen them as large as three quarter of an inch, an inch. I mean, big, nasty spurs for territorial fighting and stuff. And and you know, it's interesting that that. All those threads on it on Duck South, you know, about the winter and everything else. I mean, you know, it's warm. Uh, it was frost the first morning we hunted here, but it's been warm, unseasonably warm, and and those birds aren't aren't quite down. So we we uh we we tried to orchestrate a plan this afternoon to pass you a few. And uh, Randy, one of the guys that's over here hunting with us, got one, a juvenile, but that was it. Uh, it just didn't work out. And we we we've got one more stop uh, in a few days we think we'll we'll get to close the deal on some i've shot them in 2012 and we hunt them just like we hunt them just like we did the egyptians we pass shoot them coming from roost to feeding areas but these things are built like sherman tanks it, it you know you don't even look at their body you look at their head these things are, are big rocky they're, they're they're the world's largest uh waterfowl species and, and and they're they're yeah, tanks. The I mean, they can weigh twenty to twenty three pounds. They look like they jumped out of the Mad Max movie set. Exactly, that's a good that, description. That, but that spur that kicks off their wings, it's really sharp, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it can be really sharp, hooked and and sharp. Uh, it's nasty. It's like a bear claw, it's a, it's a, a claw or something. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a it's a heck of a bird, and um, now it, it's a that that's that's still on the hit list yet uh, for for this week. And 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 about and on the flip side, another bird that's on the hit list is called a pygmy goose, and it weighs about three quarters of a pound. It's it's a tiny, it's smaller than a green winged teal, you know. But it's a goose, and that that that's wow. high that's high on the list. Yeah. Now there's there's about thirteen species of waterfowl over here. 
and we've shot we're about halfway through the list right now uh mostly red bill teal and yellow bills some white face whistling ducks uh we did shoot some uh comb ducks or knob bill ducks they call them um egyptian geese and, and a spur wing you know so we're we're and I'm, i may be forgetting one but um, and those red billed teal are pretty cool. That was a that was a new bird for me. I had not I had not shot them before, but we got tired of shooting them a couple of times. I wouldn't say tired of shooting them, but we shot plenty. You know, we we, we got that, and the the yellow billed duck and the red billed duck are, are pretty. Uh, those are pretty common species in the part of Africa we're hunting in. They're they're very common. You said most of the area that you're hunting are, are agriculture regions. Are there, and inside those regions, are there breaks, swampy areas that you're hunting, or is it? No, no, it's all uh, it's all lakes. It's uh, what they call pans, which right, are just not, natural lakes or, or or dams, which are which are dammed up. You got to remember too now, um, the average precipitation in this part of southern Africa is. 15 inches a year. I probably got that last weekend in Mississippi. You know, it, it, it's a it, it's a dry country, and we we drove by a lot of lakes that that normally hold ducks that you know they they sometimes dry up. And, and uh, we drove by one the other day. There was a, a herd of spring buck laid out in just in a dried up lake bed. And he said that was a, a a good lake usually for holding spur wings when they were down. You know, it's just it's just how it is. Man, when the duck flight starts, you know, you go out there in the afternoon and you shoot, you shoot, you know, you're you're getting some shooting in. You're thinking, this is a pretty good hunt. And then when the ducks decide they're going to come back to that lake or pond or, or pan that you're hunting, yeah. it's like someone turned on a light switch and it is freaking absolutely insane. <laughs> you can't load yeah. the gun fast enough. <laughs> No, it's crazy. <laughs> hey, let, let me ask you this. This is a off the wall question. You know, yeah, we've all been on the podcast a lot together. Jake and I hosting podcasts. You know, uh, Brian doing your story, Ramsey every week. But things are different when you're in a blind. What What's it like in the blind with you three guys? Lot of balls I'm usually running. outside the blind. <laughs> I was about to say, Jake you, doesn't really get to be in this whole lot. <laughs> I'm an out, yeah, I'm a Jake social outcast. Brian and I are usually talking about Jake in the blind. <laughs> <laughs> and I can always hear it because Ramsey's always wired up with audio. <laughs> just a lot of they just pass they just pass gas and brag about themselves. <laughs> it's a good time to say the least. We have a lot of fun ribbing each other and trying to shoot birds from out under, underneath each other and all that good stuff. It's it's fun is what it is and that's that's what it's supposed to be. We've all hunted four continents together now, Rock, and, and mm -hmm. that that makes a difference. I mean, we're you know, and and 
Uh, really, I'm struggling to think if we've ever been on just any real normal hunts. Like, you know, a lot of the hunts that we all hunt together is, because it's international, it's just different, you know. And we've done a lot of exploratory type hunts together where where we show up knowing we've got to roll with the punches and, and make something happen and, you know, win and roam, you know, kind of go with it. And, and that, that, that that's different in and of itself. For sure. I think I think we're always talking about, you know, how to improve ourselves too. You know, obviously we're all, you know, we're all in in uh, a different form of business within the hunting industry, but we're constantly trying to figure out how to better ourselves, and we're bouncing ideas off of each other during the downtime. And I think that's a really valuable thing because we all have a different perspective about what we do but it kind of all funnels into the same channel and and that's one of the things that i really enjoy about being around both of these guys because they both know what they're doing they're very experienced and they have a different point of view and it makes you think about what you're doing and just makes you better at the end of the day you know i thought about y'all last night i I went to a um, a nice retirement dinner for a high up official at mississippi state last night and you know one of the things that he said in his retirement speech was um he's a part of the of the extension here in mississippi but one of the things he was talking about was um winners in life hang out with other winners and they make each other better when he said that, I was thinking about y'all and I sitting in the blind, and it's kind of reason that I brought this up. You know, yeah, I'm sure y'all you joke and you have have fun, laughing and joking and cutting up, but I bet there's a lot of conversation about the industry. Hey, how can we work <laughs> together to make this better? Um, you know, how can we team up to do this? It, it's and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Winners make each other better, and losers sit in the corner and bitch about the winners. That's, that's yeah. kind yeah. of what he said There's in his speech. There's a lot of There's truth. A lot to of truth that. That, right. yeah, I, I look at it. I look at it like you know, uh, you know, Jake, Jake's a photographer. He sees things through a lens, you know, with a, with a different perspective than than we have. And you know, Ryan is. Man, all up in that industry and stuff, uh, in the merchandising, and it to me, it's just it's always educational. I always, I always leave these hunts feeling like I'm a better person or that I know more than I did coming into it. You know, I've heard Jake say before, everybody's got a story. You know, you can learn something from everybody if you just listen. Right. You know, and and I do a lot of listening when we're riding the car. You know, they, uh, these two guys know a lot. And likewise, yeah, uh, I mean, looking at them too from a, yeah. from my perspective too, same exact thing. But uh, yeah, you I, see I it so it. much these days. People want to sit back and complain about the people that sound like Trump saying this win all the time, or you know, win in life, whatever it may be. They wanted a large percentage that that want to just sit around and complain about it instead of going trying to be friends with that person and trying to make themselves better 
by listening to that person. Hear what they have to say. I guarantee you, they after after you break through that that magical curtain that's there, they'll they'll delve into a lot of secrets with you. Mm-hmm. If you Definitely. show that you really care about them and what they have to say. No, we had a talk. We had a talk. Go ahead, Ron. Go ahead, Randy. Well. <laughs> Oh, well, we, had, say, we, I mean, had, we had a talk. We had a talking. Yeah, I, I bet I am. But we 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 were well, maybe not. We 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 were we 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 all ate at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, <laughs> we go with you know, Kentucky we, we, Fried Chicken again. <laughs> hey, check that off your life list. I ate at Kentucky Fried Chicken in Africa. Go figure. But but we we were just rolling down. We stopped and we were we were talking about some things that have been going on. You know and how much, how many people, maybe in life, but certainly in the overall industry of hunting, they guide themselves by their own personal vanity. You know, and and that's one thing I, I'll just go on record to say, and I enjoy hunting with these two guys, especially because nothing is vanity motivated. And, and you know, if, if you can just remove that from the equation, it just it just makes for a whole lot better experience in anything you do in life. Amen. It's not all about vanity, man. It's just about you know enjoying and doing and giving and and seeing and and you know what is vanity. I mean, it's just you know so many aspects of that, and and that's one thing I think we three have in common. You know, in some respects, we've succeeded. And, and, and setting out to do some things that we started out to do. But what I what I see with the three of us is we're, we're always wanting to we, – we've still got a lot of mountain to climb, and, and that's what we're always trying to help each other figure out is how to, how to you know, keep climbing the mountain and get, get the next level up. There's trust. There's a lot of trust here, too, man, because, you know, we talk about things that we wouldn't talk about with – just anyone in any duck blind and you know when you share that sense of trust with two guys like that i mean you just start building this you know the relationship grows and the team concept grows and when you do that we accomplish our goals a whole lot more uh you know you, you accomplish your goals and you you move on to the next one and and some might be small and some might be, you know, bigger than others, but there's an overall picture that we're all trying to accomplish. And we've all got different platforms, you know. Ramsey's selling duck hunts. Ryan's in the merchandise business. I'm in the, uh, you know, camera and, and creative content business. And we all have, so we all have a different uh, perspective on it. But man, when you come together and you share that space and you try to help each other accomplish each other's goals, the big picture works itself out, and it's man, it's a great thing. I mean, I, I I truly love as we're talking about all this and getting all mushy. I truly love spending time with these guys because a they have experience on the international level, which isn't which isn't easy to find. Not everybody travels like the three of us do, and I'm not putting us on a pedestal, but I'm I'm just trying to explain how why why and how we all get along. And why we're able to accomplish what we do because we help each other out, just like they were talking about. Yep, definitely. I think with all that said, I think one of the common themes 
and some of the discussions we'd had previously today around that very question, Rocky, um, common theme was, you know, the, the more you, <laughs> the, the further on you go down these paths that each of us are on or other individuals, individuals are on the, the more you realize how much you don't know. And, and that humbles you a, a, a great deal. And, and, um, you know, it, it, it allows you to, to really kind of take a step back and, and say, man, I, I don't know it all. I still have a lot to learn and, and, and be just simply be grateful for, for the, for the opportunities that, you know, that, that you get, whether it's, you know, hunting there in your backyard back home or, or, or getting to do something, um, like this that you never dreamed of being able to do at the end of the day you, you still sit back and go man I, I still don't know it all and i'm fortunate to have learned as much as i have and i think keeping that mindset and being around people that share that mindset is is pretty pretty critical to to continue and and, and find success um in uh whatever it is that you're doing so i think that all sums it up pretty pretty dang well I agree Ryan, with you. Ryan did a yeah. question and answer. He did a Q&A on his Instagram stories today, and it was really interesting how it all sort of unfolded because people were asking questions, and one of the things that, that occurred in the vehicle while we were driving answering questions, we all agreed, immediately agreed on the same answers, you know, to answer some of these questions, whether it was regardless of what it was about. and. Um, you know, that to me, that sort of told a little story within itself to me that, you know, we're all, uh, we all see the same at the end of the day, the big pictures, the same. And one of the most, uh, provocative questions asked was, um, uh, what, 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 and it's a common question. And, and typically, you know, when I get this question in a DM or a, or a private message, you answer it the same way, but when you hear all three people say the same thing, particularly when a guy was probably asking for a very specific answer to this vague and general question, which was, if somebody wants to break into the industry, what's the most important thing, you know, to keep in mind, or what do you have to do to break into the industry? And all three of us had nothing to do with hunting, had everything to do with, we all said, work hard, and sustain your integrity and and i found that to be really refreshing and interesting as we talked about that in the truck that you know it's not about hunting or how many ducks you kill or how many deer you kill or how many bands you have on your lanyard it's about honesty and trust in the relationships that you build and that's what we're doing here that's exactly yes, right do you do you think that some people start out with the belief that look if if I can make people better it'll return tenfold to me later you know that's something that I I, I believe in that 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 I try to live by two two things always listen always try to make people better around you and Anyway, that was another point that came up in that speech last night. Now, I'm sorry, this is not, this has turned into more of a self-help, make you better at business podcast. But you, when you have three of the most <laughs> successful people in the hunting industry, you're going to talk about this. But 
you know, I know that all three of y'all, we've talked about this off the air a, a bunch of times. You know, if we could figure out as an industry as how to bring all of us up and help each other out, make each other better, you know what? It'll make the yeah. industry as a whole better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even outside the industry, I mean, my strong personal view on, especially with just, ah, man, I, I'm going to try not to get on the soapbox here, but I mean, social media is a good example, but even outside of social media, you know, I try to remind myself this, and I don't do great at it, but I ask myself, is, is what I'm about to do, is what am I about to say, whatever I'm about to post, is it somehow helping somebody in some way or leaving a, a positive effect on somebody out there and, and help them lift them up? And that can be personal, that can be work-related. Um, it doesn't matter. I, I, and, I, and I'm not perfect at, at keeping that mindset all the time, but, but you know, reeling it back into to what you're talking about, Rocky, absolutely. I mean, I think if everybody um, associated with this industry and anybody listening to this podcast, you're associated to, to the quote-unquote hunting industry because you're an active participant. You, you're, you're part of this brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And having mm-hmm. that positive um, mindset is not don't make it about you it's not about you man it's it, it's about us maintaining that brotherhood and, and 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 being able to do that will will hopefully help this 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 hunting community of ours um you know have have uh you know a long a lot much longer life because right now it, it it's in a weird spot and, and it's kind of scary for me i agree I, I mean, I, I agree because I have to deal with it every day as a, as a moderator of Duck South and, you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to weed eat through the, the comedians and the the smart alecks and the, you know, can't wait to tear somebody down because they shoot a Benelli or they shoot a uh, Beretta or a Remington who gives a crap they wear Sitka or Drake or whatever. What what good is it doing as a whole? I I, I don't. That's right. the part of it I don't get. I mean, you you get three it's seconds of fame, and, and at the end of the day, you're thought yeah. of as a a nuthead. Right. Yep. I mean, right. the irony is is that what people do to try to get into whatever that is, you know. The, the, let me step back. The irony is that the the most common things that people are doing that are, I'll just say it, immature, trying to break into the industry, ironically enough, is actually counterproductive and opposite of what you should be doing. Those are the things that the people in the industry that that are trying to recruit the best people that they can to associate with their brands, what people, what a lot of people are doing is exactly opposite of what they should be doing, and it's counterproductive. And they don't realize everybody's watching. And when you're doing these silly little things, it's like, okay, we'll scratch him off the list or scratch her off the list because yeah. why would you want to associate with someone like that? I, yep. I agree with you. I, I, well. I think too. Oh, there's in this day and age, man. There's there's people don't understand it when I say it. 
there's not much I don't hear about, unfortunately, and there's a lot of stuff I don't want to hear about. It's it's a very <laughs> small community. Um, man, put your best foot forward and just be a good person at the end of the day because people are going to find out and hear about, you know, any anything you even say. If it comes out of your mouth, man, like, it, it can put you in a bad spot, and, and it's just not worth it. Well, well hey. For, like I said, I, I, I wasn't going to have three of the industry leaders on here without talking general business. So, appreciate that few minutes. But, hey, what's the plan for the next couple of days? Because I, I know a couple of y'all are – Ryan, you're heading back out in a couple of days. And, Jake, you're staying for a few days longer, correct? I'll be here till the 13th, I believe. I've got another week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're going to be here hunting together. We've got, we uh, got another week of having fun together. Yep. And then once... Uh, well, our next, yeah. our, our, our uh, upcoming plans tomorrow, Rocky, our upcoming plans tomorrow are to go shoot guinea fowl. Now, you folks have lived, lived out in the country and been by somebody's house and you see those... Chibis, that's what I was going to ask. Chicken, <laughs> those guineas weren't running around. I, I tell you what, uh, I have said this, and it's, it, it is the truth. I have been looking forward to the upcoming couple of days shooting guineas uh, more than any other aspect of this trip, just because I, I, I did it back in 2012, and I have said that I would come back to Africa just to shoot driven guinea fowl. If you had told me that that goofy chicken-looking bird running around a farmer's yard could fly 45 or 50 miles an hour like he was shot from a cannon, uh, I'd have called you a lie. But, but it, it's, it's going to be fun. You know, we'll we'll form a shooting line, and and the uh, the staff will hem them up. These, these are some some of these flocks are huge. I've I've seen flocks of 150 birds, and and they'll they're out feeding in the cornfield, and and uh, these guys will just form a purse sign and and start to push them towards the guns, and uh, a human purse sign just start drawing it up. These, these these birds will start flying across the line, pretty pretty dead gum sporty. Uh, these these will be helmeted guinea fowl we're shooting, and it's a riot. It, it is it is just sheer beast and they eat good too. And and then yeah, after one, after a couple of days of that, we're we're going to another province. We, we started off in Pumalaga, or, or uh, boy, don't get me to speak in, that word, but in Pumalaga. Pumalanga, and now we're in Free State, and then in a few days we're moving down to Zulu Land, and uh, to, 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 to to spot, you know, it's also down the southern tip, just just to go and uh, cherry pick some of these some of these species we may not have gotten, you know, try try to get the other half of that list we're working on. You know the the guineas, Ramsey. A lot of times you see guineas in somebody's yard out in the country, middle of nowhere. You know what they're good for? Like a watchdog. Alarm. Yeah. And they will eat every tick you've got around your house. Hmm. They will they will clean a yard up of insects. That's good. Yep. That's what that's what's on our plans, and uh, we're having a good time, and, and we're not going to be getting up at the crack of dawn. We, we like I say, getting up at three thirty or something. But 
now we'll be, we got breakfast at seven in the morning and probably leave here about eight and uh give, give the bird time to get off roost and get off in the cornfield and start feeding and organize a couple of shoots and i think i think our afternoons for the next couple of days will be scouting different pans and dams and, and looking for ducks and geese and, and organizing plans to, to jump shoot or pass you well man y'all be careful we're about out of time I, i've really enjoyed having y'all here i hope y'all finish out the the species list and I wish I was in the, I don't wish I was all the way there in South Africa with you, but I wish I was sharing the blind, listening to what was going on inside that blind. That <laughs> would be fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, you guys, we'll for having you. me. Heck yeah, man. I know y'all are ready to go to bed. Brian, Jake, Ramsey, thank you again for being here. We want to thank all of you for listening to this edition of the End of the Line Podcast. Hours. By DuckSouth.com.